0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Now and Zen podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Gugu Sleep Company and by Dream Drive. We all know getting a great sleep is important, and this is what Gugu is all about. Super comfortable mattresses at very affordable prices and delivered to your home for free. They back up their best sleep ever promise with a 100-night money-back guarantee. Learn more at gugu.jp and enter the coupon code ZEN for your 20% discount. Gugu, better sleep, better you. Explore Japan in comfort and ease with Dream Drive. Rent a customized camper van to go camping, take nature hikes, relax at onsens or just discover the many beautiful places less traveled around Japan. Dream Drive has various camper vans for solo travelers. And families, and is more affordable than trains and hotels as it's only one price per night. Go to dreamdrive.life to plan your next Japan adventure. Enter the coupon code ZEN and receive a sweet discount when making your customized camper van reservation. Dream Drive, the hotel on wheels. <laughs> This episode I speak with Mary Razel. Mary is an applied anthropologist who's been working and studying in Japan for nearly 20 years. Her main area of expertise is in consumer psychology, most specifically in regards to consumerism and consumption, from music analysis and product design to cosmetics and psychological design for robots. Yeah, some pretty deep stuff. However, this is not the main topic of our discussion today. In addition to her work as an applied anthropologist, Mary is also a PhD candidate from a major Japanese university, and her dissertation is on Japanese enjo kosai, or compensated dating, and how it applies to consumption and e-commerce in Japan. As you will soon hear, you will learn how sexuality, Intimacy and desire are not only closely linked to consumerism, but also hold the keys to everything in life. Even though her dissertation is not yet published, today you will get a sneak peek into the origins, the real purpose behind it, and the current status of compensated dating in Japan. Direct from Tokyo, this is Now in Zen with Mary Razel
1: an interesting story that influenced me very much at the beginning and was one of the reasons I I started this research please one of my first jobs was in uh, business consulting for a corporation and I was working for um, a certain executive at Sumitomo Chemicals a wonderful guy with a fluent English and in one of the lessons he suddenly asked me um, can I ask you a question that is not relevant to business English but I'm curious about since I'm young sure why do you always say all the time, I love you? See, and this was a knockout question. I was a beginner in Japan then, and honestly, I never realized how much we say that and how strange it can sound to someone from the outside. So I was thinking about it, and I said, you know, I think, it's, um, I think people love to say that and love to hear that, and um, why do you ask? And he gave me this answer. He said, well... Love is an emotion. If you don't feel it, it's never there. You can say it a million times, it's, it's not going to be there. I think I was haunted by this sentence and about how much we say when we don't mean or how much you say because we're afraid it's not there, how much reassurance we have, how much lack of confidence we really have. Because it's true, we use love like, like we use money. We throw it all around, we need it all around, we exchange it. Love you, love you! What do you mean love me? You hardly meet me. Like, you don't even know who I am.
0: I want to welcome you, Mary Razel, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very
1: much for the invitation.
0: You're welcome. Oh, so you were interested in Japan before you even came to Japan. I
1: was interested in Japan since I was a kid. The first book my father bought me when I was five was... Marco Polo on the Silk Road. Okay. See? My parents were adventurers. They were mountain climbers. They really, you know, they were very interesting people. But the reason that he thought it would be a fascinating, I mean, I'm an only child, he thought it would be a fascinating book for his girl. Not sure what my mom thought about that, but uh, this was the first book. And I remember, I remember even now, because I was very impressed. There was this amazing image of Marco Polo on the camels on Gobi Desert, and my dream was to be in the Gobi Desert. But when I was a child, it was impossible to be in China. So I became fascinated in, in this area, and then I started getting more books when I told my parents, this is so interesting. And I, I would imagine, I imagined actually Marco Polo walking on silk, and it was so fascinating. And But that's who I was. I think I became an anthropologist later because uh, I stopped dancing and I couldn't get to National Geographic, so this was like second best.
0: All right.
1: The second book was about Japan, and there were these women with kimonos that were also fascinating. So I asked, what's that? So since then, it was an obsession that I have to be in these places. So first I came here because this, this is what I studied at university. For my master's, I went to uh, Japanese studies and anthropology and soci- social anthropology. I studied Japanese studies, which is Japanese history and you know knowledge about Japan. But, like, but you
0: it? didn't take Japanese language together with it?
1: no we started but it was extremely basic yeah i actually started studying here a couple of years after arriving and i struggled with it for a long time you know it was when i was already working so it, i never had a uh, uh, time to study properly it took a yeah. very long time until today my reading and writing are not high level but it was a challenge I had to meet as well. You know, you can't understand anthropology if you don't understand the language.
0: Right. Understanding Japanese language helps you understand Japanese culture so yes. much more.
1: Yes. But I, I did. I came here for a visit. I never thought I'm going to stay here for 20 years. I mean, even 10 years, I didn't even decide to stay. It was just things happened. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the idea of university. I had a scholarship. for. I came for a conference. I received a scholarship for three months. So the idea was you go to see a bit of Japan, you come back, and then you'll, you'll proceed with your master's finish and your PhD. And just things happened. Mm. And two years ago, I made it to the Gobi Desert in the footsteps of Marco Polo on the Silk Road. And it was closing such a huge cycle of my life.
0: Wow. The most
1: exciting emotional moment ever said, see, that's what happened to the little girl if you give her books. But I do tell this story to a lot of my students, Yeah. because people read less.
0: Was that always one of your goals, was to get to the Gobi Desert, even after you became an adult?
1: It was always, yeah. I think it's, it shows how much books can influence people and why it's important to read. Because yeah. I had a fascinating life because of that book. I always, since then, I was obsessed with traveling and discovering places. And there, yeah, I knew, and, and when I was there, I felt like I came home.
0: Oh, wow. There was a
1: very strange feeling, almost supernatural. You know, I'm a very practical person, but there I felt like, I think for the first time, like there is destiny, there is a fate. I was supposed to get here, and I'm home.
0: Wow. Your PhD?
1: From Meiji Gakuin. My advisor oh. is in Meiji Gakuin.
0: Oh, so you're Rickards still doing your PhD now.
1: I'm writing now the thesis I have to submit it this summer.
0: And what is the topic of your PhD?
1: The topic, the big topic, is the connection between love, sex, and capitalism. In details, it's a research that started with um, Enjo Kosai.
0: Enjo Kosai. Not everybody that listens to this podcast speaks Japanese or knows. Okay. So. And
1: is what uh, it's a pattern of selling dates.:
0: Compensated dating.:
1: It was translated as compensated dating, right? It had a very big boom in the '90s with a certain stereotype that um, it's young girls who sell sex to old men because they, uh, they want to buy expensive products. It was really a very big boom and a huge moral panic in Japan. It was also overseas because it was also in English newspapers, people who came here, young teenage girls, high school girls were accused of becoming prostitutes and that was the dominant image. And when I arrived in Japan uh, and I was brand new, somebody told me, you know, those girls are becoming prostitutes and it was a very strong statement. You know, like, what, all those young girls? What, all of them? And nobody stops it? And I became curious. And then I wasn't in the research for a long time, really. I met one night in Shibuya a girl who was working there.
0: Working where?
1: In yes. one of the nightclubs. And she, I was lost. She tried to help me to find a way out. It was the middle of the night, you know, after Christmas. She spoke some English, which was surprising. You know, it was like, 20 years ago, like someone, a 16-year-old approaching you. She was dressed like the Yamamba girls. You remember the Yamamba with the very outrageous makeup and clothes?
0: The uh,
1: kogyaru. Right. Yeah. Harsh kogyarus, you know, with the yeah. tan and the fluorescent eyes and stuff. And she had some... Be- I didn't have a good Japanese then. She had some English... Uh, and I became curious. So for a long time I became curious and then I started listening to her stories and then I started reading newspapers and then I realized I'm staying in Japan because I found a job, it was interesting. I found an advisor who was willing to follow me. In Japan, you know, you need to find an advisor. It's not the university, but the advisor you find. And I started teaching at Rikyo and, and things just happened. So eventually when we talk about love, sex and capitalism, it's it's really the connection between... What do people really buy in these meetings? Because from the beginning it was obvious it's not sex. For sex you don't go on a compensating dating, it's expensive. You go to a high-class prostitute or or, the shinjuku. But you're not going to go with a young girl if that was true. I mean, I didn't buy the image to begin with. So I was wondering what really happens there. Who is buying what? Who is selling what? Why are people so panicking about it? What is the truth? What is going on on both sides? And it took about a decade. It's anthropology. You have to hear stories from people. right? Women who were willing to speak, buyers who were willing to speak, the organized crime, who was willing to tell me what they think about it magazines, media, it started being, see, anthropology, it started being a very big chain reaction of people and professions and fields of society that all of them participated in actually promoting this, and above all, you know, Shinto religion, where bodies are easier to sell than words.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: It's not a religious society. Correct. Sexual relations are part of life and also pride of your privacy so it's much easier to have these negotiations because the outside doesn 't care and with a low rate of, of crime a very low rate of crime and it, right. it exists but it is low there is no problem there's no s-
0: moral issues well there's no religious moral issues there are no
1: it. religious issues there right. are no religious issues there are no in Christianity
0: um, sex and is a taboo thing right
1: I think in most religions sex is something that is um, directly connected to ownership of the body by God.
0: So Japan definitely has a different attitude about religion. Japan comes
1: from Amaterasu, right? The right. goddess. Yeah. For so long, yeah. people were having sex in the temples and in the shrines right. in order to fertilize the land. Yeah. Until today, people don't think of sex as a negative thing unless they talk to a foreigner and they know they have to say the opposite. And that's why foreigners all the time say Japanese don't have sex. So why do Japanese don't have a sex life? Said, they don't have a sex life. I don't know. Since I'm here, the love hotels are always fully booked. So who exactly is there? Like, um, I think it's one of those things that people don't like to talk about. I also often had questions. You know, like why is that interesting for you? Because people really didn't get it. You know, it's it's yeah. our private business. Right. And then I had to give my background, coming from a place where virginity is sacred and sex has to be with your husband, or with this boyfriend, out of this amazing love. All those romantic images that are eventually a product of capitalism. The whole romantic fantasy is a product of capitalism. So that's where it connects, because a lot of the things people buy into are the rise of... What do you mean it's a
0: product of capitalism? Love and intimacy and, and sex, how does that relate to capitalism?
1: Capitalism has turned everything into merchandise and it's taken things that were from the private space like love and emotions and what people share together and turned them into you want to get married? No, there is no marriage. These are all the things you have to spend money on in order to show you love. So it starts from the Valentine's Day and it goes into millions of dollars.
0: Enjo Kosai Compensated dating, just for lack of a better translation. Um, how prevalent was it really in the 90s?
1: I think it's very prevalent until today.
0: Enjo kosai has a negative connotation to it. I
1: it mean, always had.
0: Yes. It always but now, had. there's a similar phrase called papakatsu. Right. Isn't that just a more socially accepted way of saying enjo kosai?
1: Yes. It's not a more socially acceptable. Enjokosa was was outlawed. You can't use the word. In 1999, there was a law against it. Oh, really? So since then, uh, it's off the media. Okay. And it, they people keep practicing it in uh, under different names. You so know, papakatsu lot...
0: would be translated as like sugar daddy.
1: Right. I yeah, think no. they're all like enjokosa because enjokosa eventually was mostly not about sex. If I can say something about it is that the entire image was wrong
0: It wasn't about sex maybe for the female
1: It wasn't about sex for any of the people
0: Not for the male?
1: It could involve sex but that was not the purpose
0: What was the purpose?
1: I think it's a form you know the Japanese expression of ma?
0: Yeah the, the space the empty space An
1: empty space right? outside of everything In English culture you know in Western culture empty space nothing happens it's just a zero
0: Western cultures, they don't like the ma. They don't don't like like the ma. They they can't stand silence. silence. They don't like uh, emptiness. They got to fill it.
1: Right. I would say that these meetings are a sort of a ma where people go to fulfill fantasies secluded and preserved and away from the outside world.
0: It's getting pretty deep. It is. I looked at it as. Older gentlemen had an opportunity to hook up with younger girls that normally they couldn't do. But because they had money, they could exchange money for the desires that they wanted. And the girls got some money for the material items that they desired. It was a quid pro quo.
1: That's the image, right? Right.
0: But you're saying there's something culturally deeper to it.
1: There is a deep... I think that sex generally has a deeper meaning. Sex is never about sex. Because you can do it yourself. The moment there is another person involved, there's immediately a certain mutual dependency. There's an emotional dependency. Or not even a dependency. Sometimes it's just a mutual benefit. But as I see that, if sex was... The sex that people want to have for physical things or for their own fantasy, they don't need to bother to to get out of the bed or outside yes. of the bathroom so the moment you step outside of home you have other needs that accompany that and it's these needs that are interesting so for me all the sexual activity and all the dating paid dating that goes outside of the house is an attempt to answer those needs for me and Jocosa is a solution for a problem that is much deeper is what do these people really want? Even if you say, okay, they want money, you say, but why? These are not, all the girls are not poor girls. Okay. They don't need money for food. Then what does money mean? What does it substitute? So what do what the products mean? It goes back actually to how we started this discussion. Why do people buy brands? What is the dependency on, on objects? What do they substitute? Because they always substitute an emotional emptiness.
0: What's the moral rationalization?
1: There is no moral rationalization. This is a society where people don't talk a lot, uh-huh. where young girls, especially from good houses or housewives, don't have good relations with their family. You know, Japan is a society where uchi-soto, right? Inside, right. outside. When you go in a meeting like that, you create a, a uchi group. Inside Uchi groups, you work with business people. Inside Uchi groups, people are very, feel very comfortable to talk. Right. This is what both sides feel, that the money and the decision upon time gives them a, a safe zone. We know how long we're going to be here. We know that we're inside for that period of time for this money. It cannot be outside, so it's already safe. And inside they can share everything they have. So a lot of girls can learn about life from older men because they say they don't know anything about social life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of men can find a listening ear, which they don't have at home either.
0: I've heard this analogy or example before that that's one of the main purposes of a snack or a hostess bar. And they get entertained and they can talk about their work, about their family, they can get an empathetic ear. But, yeah, it's true. But You've
1: never been in a hostess club?
0: Oh yeah, many times.
1: Then it is true. You know it's true.
0: I don't, I, I've been to hostess clubs or snacks.
1: Of high class.
0: No, no, no. I mean, when I was a student uh, and I used to teach English, a lot of times after our classes, you would go to the hostess. businessmen would want to go to a snack or to a hostess club, and some of them we just sang karaoke, and some of them we were entertained by very, you know, attractive ladies. But I I didn't need that affirmation that I was...
1: I don't think it's affirmation. I think it's sharing. You're a talkative person. You don't need that.
0: Right. And I also don't have... Or especially then when I was 19 years old, I didn't have any issues that I had to talk to anybody about. You know, singing karaoke and doing whatever. It was a great cultural experience.
1: Right. Okay, so let's first start with... We need... Anthropology, right? We need to understand the history of the hostess club right. and how they changed. Okay. Because the hostess club started after the war and replaced the geisha. And the geisha houses had extremely important role in Japanese society, right? This is the place where of very high society, this is the place where politicians used to meet. This is the place where the country was run until World War Two. During the war, many of the geisha were forced to work in prostitution, and the the economic situation of the country was very poor. The recovery took a very long time, and that's when hostesses were the first to recover in Ginza. Now, until today, the real high-class hostess club, the one that you would pay Juman, you know, 100,000 for a hostess, most people can't get into. But this is the real hostess club. That's capitalism, what the bubble era with a lot of money has done to the hostesses. So it started reducing, okay, so there are those clubs for the foreigners, and there are those clubs for those who don't have a lot of money, and there are those clubs for the tatemai, those who have to come with the group of to nomikai, right after work. Right. And you started having a lot of different hostess clubs, and then also the geisha started rising again. So the real high-class society and politicians moved back to geisha houses that we have until today in, in real secret places where people take you with the closed car and take you back yeah. and you see nothing from the outside.
0: Introduction only.
1: Right. And you have all the other hostesses that you have to know where you go because if you go once to a high class, you understand what's their purpose. Now, I would say that those meetings are sort of an um, individual, personal kind of hostessing in a way. First of all, because of the economy, a lot of people cannot afford it. It's expensive. Even if you go to a cheap hostess club, it's still expensive. Second, because the, you know, there's a rise of uh, an individual discourse in Japan. With the internet, with all the niche, with the possibilities of people to express opinions. Right. You can talk to these women when you go one-on-one. You can talk to them about real serious issues, which you don't talk to anyone outside of there.
0: So in a way, it's kind of like mm. therapy?
1: Yes. Yes, but not only. I know people talk about business and about economy and about therapy in terms of advice about conflicts with friends or with family. And yeah. It's always good to talk to someone about that. They give you, you know, a, a mirror of yeah. your ideas and your decisions. But you can't you to talk to these issues of, with anyone here.
0: But don't most people talk to their friends and their family about stuff like that? No, most people don't. In Western cultures? Some
1: people do. In Western cultures, we do. Yeah, yeah. but in Western okay. culture, we're talkative. Yeah. We talk so much. We talk about everything. I mean, people talk so much that sometimes I find myself just thinking how much I would like them to shut up. <laughs> so there is too much information. I don't care. I don't want to hear all that. It's none of my business. Sure. Where is your privacy? See, okay. Japanese, a very, very high level of privacy in contrast to what people think.
0: True. Shinto and Buddhism is a, a religion or a, a philosophy, I should say Which believes that everything has a spirit Even even material things This is why for a long time in Japan That used things like uh, clothing or jewelry were not very popular right. Obviously it's changed now And also one of the reasons why theft, stealing in Japan Is not such a... A big issue because there's a a negative cheat or a negative uh, association to something. And if you, you steal something, you might feel like there's a negative uh, uh, feeling attached to this because it was stolen. Right. So, with women who participate in Enjo Kosai, culturally, wouldn't there be some dubious connotations associated with any material things procured via Enjo
1: um, first, we have to. There are a three different ages of endocococci, and each one of them had different values. When we are talking about the big wave of the 90s, this was very much a subculture. It was a group activity, it was things that girls were sharing between themselves. So it was your social currency, which you had to show and share with the others. Interesting. And, of I started as a game. It didn't start as as what we know it is. What kind of game? It was just a game of of inviting people for a quick coffee, getting some money for this. And both sides were having a lot of fun. And it was high-class girls from rich families. And then the bubble burst... And then the media started abusing these girls because they didn't like them having fun with older men. It's a very complicated story how it started. But it was really from girls' subculture having too much power during the 90s. And the 90s, we know it's the lost generation, the lost decade of Japan. Right. So at some point, the media and, the, and politics tried to block the youth power. And that's where the image of, of Andrew Kosai started. And then you started seeing enjokosai being connected to sexuality and to cheap girls. And then girls who were in the suburbs thought it's real. And girls from outside of Tokyo came inside Tokyo. And inside Tokyo, they started practicing enjokosai. It means it's really an invented type of, of... It's a practice was invented by the media from something that was a game before.
0: How did they find partners? Or the, not the Johns, but oh, the... Oh, it's
1: very easy. You find them in the streets. They used to pick them up. Because this was
0: before the internet, so there were no... This was before the internet? There were no... uh, Ah, there was uh,
1: Dengon, and there was the the call services where you can leave a message. And there was, I don't know if you remember, it was just when I arrived, there were messages in the phone booth. Yeah. It was call services that you would call, and then you say what you want, and then... You would negotiate. Oh, Terakura. 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 Yeah, terakura. the Terakura. Okay. Terakura was not about the So that was just
0: conversation over the phone, or actually it was negotiation over the phone.
1: Nobody, nobody. see, this is the privacy. Nobody interferes on what happens there. It's like mm. the closed room. So that was the 90s. Then it became illegal. Then you had the first generation that started on uh, Day IK
0: yeah. DIK,
1: the, the dating D- sites. Dating sites. So through dating sites, you could find partners. And then it developed into all those, this very big industry where people, people sometimes, you know, I I even find them in Starbucks sitting next to me and talking. And from the conversation, obviously, I know who they are and what they're doing. You can hear what they're talking about. But sometimes it really is just one hour of going together and talking about work. People share and, and talk very openly and... It's really like a shrink, and the time is finished. I said, okay, so we have 10 minutes, let's, um, let's just take a walk, and we're going to meet next week at the same time. I think the sex image is something the West attacked, and if the West yeah. wouldn't have attacked, it wouldn't be an issue. But it started from the outside, and then the Japanese started being worried that it might be true. And then you had a lot of feminists and a lot of sociologists from inside Japan who were worried that maybe it is true and a lot of teenagers today today everybody knows that the real number the real amount of actual sex that was done in enjokosai was probably less than 4% less than what? 4% 4? I would say maybe it was 10 but it's still very very far from the image of all those girls are prostituting all the time right? That,
0: that that's these women that are participating in Kosai, are they being taken advantage of or are they being empowered
1: now here you're pushing me to the corner right because
0: it sounds like your your previous explanation sounds like empowerment
1: i think it is i see let's start with the fact that i think that a lot of these western values do not apply to japan because it's not a social discourse and the whole academic discourse around it is western and feminist the feminists would immediately tell you that it's, it's prostitution and girls are being abused because they're young, because they don't know. There are also very old women who do that, by the way, and married women and mothers and women who are bored all day and their husband is never there. Many people do that because they just want some fun and many people do it because they really want sexual pleasure. But it's the same with prostitution and porn sites. There are people who go there because they enjoy sex and it's completely legitimate to enjoy it there. Since in Japan, sex is part of the, the, the uchi, the part of the private life, I find the question a problem in itself to answer properly. But most of the women I talked to, none of them went there because she needed food.
0: It wasn't desperation?
1: No. No, the desperate go to prostitution. Really Kabukicho and, and Brussels and, right. and the, the Yakuza organized places in order to be protected. Those amateurs who have a normal life... For me, Andrew Kosa, the, the, the idea of Angiocosa is women who have a normal life and are, are selling dates and intimacy and sex as a part-time job because something is missing in their life. It's the same about the men. It's men who don't want a prostitute and don't want just sex, but they want the, the illusion of having a girlfriend for a couple of hours with whom they feel relaxed, they feel accepted. They don't come home and the wife shouts at them on how much money they brought or didn't bring or whatever they need to do next. I can see that. I do have to add the fact that people with a good marriage don't go to these places because I talk to people with good marriages and they don't understand it. Mm. So it's really important because there is a certain image either Japanese society has no sex at all or that everybody has all the time. Of course, the, the reality is in the middle. Girls who come from houses where they have good relations with their mothers don't go to this. And they, they find it difficult even to understand. But, but see, Andrew, the, the, the whole reality of Japan is very complicated. Let, let me bring another aspect here. The people who get the good jobs are those who finish good universities. What happens to all those who don't? They don't have a future. I talked to girls in their 20s who did it because they had no idea what's going to happen to their future and they just wanted to save money for the future. And they told me very clearly, you know, I can go out with a guy a couple of times, sometimes with six, sometimes with other. but I save all the money because when I'm 30, it's going to be finished. I'm not very smart. I couldn't finish university. At some point, I will end up with a job that is 1,000 yen an hour. And what if I don't get married? The Japanese economy is not good, you know? So
0: it sounds a little bit desperate.
1: It is. It is, like if we start bringing anthropologically, then you start with the job hunting and the whole academic system, and who gets the jobs and the social classes that nobody wants to talk about but are there, and who is going to advance in the job, and the image of men and women in general. All of them are part of this map that is called Angiocosai. And it's really very complicated. Because if you try to take enjokosai outside of Japanese society, yep. it can't be the same somewhere else, because here it's a, it's a result of all this interaction. So how, many,
0: how many girls have you interviewed?
1: Individually, almost 100. And then I had 1,500 or close to 3,000 surveys online from people. Parents, dozens of uh, men...
0: Have you read many books about sex in Japan or Japan underground? I mean, there's a there's a few books out there. I, c- I can't recall them right now off top of my mind, but there are a few. I pink think one's called like, and p- stuff. Pink Samurai. One. Some of them are very kind of a bit sophomoric, and uh, you know, just titillation type stories. But some of them are quite. Anthropologically, yep. in depth. Have you read the, all those books as uh, part of your study?
1: I don't know if I read all. I read quite a lot. I yeah. started with the research first. Uh, I wanted to be very anthropological. Then uh, uh, I didn't read anything before I had my own impression. That's when they teach you. If you, if you, there are two types of you know academics. Those who want the degree and they do everything very fast, good or bad, it doesn't matter. They want the title. And because I had a job and I was, I was. I loved my business work, then it was never urgent, then I I went by the book. So first I talked to people, I had my own opinion, I took notes, I had endless notebooks and papers and comments and tapes and recordings and interviews, so the data is huge. Then I did, yeah, I read a lot and, and a lot of theories and started... Are there any
0: good books you would recommend?
1: Well, there is a very good book by Anne Allison, which is a classic by now from about almost 30 years ago, about the, so- the Hostess Club, Nightlife in Tokyo. She was the first one to research and analyze. I think the full name is Nightlife. It's about masculinity and the corporate man in, uh, in Japan. It's not a new book, but I still think it's one of the most thorough books and okay. serious because she did a fieldwork. She was the first to do a fieldwork in a hostess club. So it's very serious. If you want something light and entertaining, then Pink Samurai. He was a really serious guy, you know, and and he he had a good attitude to the Japanese society, and I think it's a a good reading. Otherwise, I'm I'm very careful, because the books I see are books that meant to bring money. They're picking the weird stuff, and then I think it's very dangerous, because, you know, Japanese society is not easy to understand, and we end up with a very bad image of this society right and I think it's not fair
0: I agree you should write a book I mean obviously there's interest in this topic and you approach it from a very anthropological angle
1: it's an interesting story and I think the West has a very serious problem with sex see the, the um, obsession of the Western world with sex especially the American world you know, the Europeans are a bit more controlled um, we talk about what's in our mind. And th- there, is, there is a problem with cultures that don't see sexuality as a power. Sex is power. It's a currency people should be using if they have it. And the Japanese know that. That's why so many salespeople go to pink salons on their lunch break.
0: Go to what?
1: A pink salon on their what lunch is that? It's a blow-up, like hand job salon. Goes Does that still exist? Of course, a lot. Pink Salon. I haven't, I haven't
0: heard that phrase. That's almost like Turkish bath. I mean, that goes... They w- also exist. I know, but they call them soapland now. But because the right. Turkish embassy protested back in the, I think it was in the 80s, they used to be called Turkish baths. Now yeah. they call them soap lands. But right. Pink Salons, I think that's a very 80s or 90s word, isn't it?
1: They still exist.
0: Probably, but I don't think they call them that anymore.
1: The people who go there still call it like that. Do they? Yeah. They say, you know, I would go 15 minutes for a pink saloon, relax, get into a good mood, and then I can continue doing my work. <laughs> you know <what> I mean... <laughs> yeah, because in Japan, sex is health. I mean, it's part of the daddy hero. You know, it's the, deli- the delivery health. health. But this is how Delivery many-
0: health means uh, the translation is... Uh, like a call girl?
1: Yes. Yeah. That's where the West has a problem. They don't understand that it is health.
0: Yeah, it's healthy.
1: It is healthy. It, it, it raises your energy, it circulates yeah. your blood. It, it's good. We grow up with such bad image of that and, and we don't use it in everyday life. If you talk to professional sex workers, that's even more interesting because they have old people going there only because it's healthy. People in their 80s still go to get a hand job because it's very healthy for them to have uh, the sex drive uh, yep. revitalized. They don't want a woman. They don't want a partner. They want to be alone at all. But, but they go there for, for rejuvenation.
0: Rejuvenation.
1: Yeah. I was very inspired.
0: How does consumerism, consumption, and e-commerce factor into all of this?
1: I think they all touch a certain internal search that many people have about the meaning of life. I think we all live with needs that go beyond us. And, you know, it's almost banal to say that, but it's still very powerful, and that's the fear of death. And when you you work in e-commerce, there are basically three types of e-commerce. There is um, the targeted shopping. People who need something, they go, they search for this check prices and order what they need. Yes. There is those who have an idea of what they want and they would spend more time and compare more products and sometimes find something new.
0: Shopping versus buying.
1: Yes. But there are those who go to surf when they have no idea what they want.
0: Entertainment.
1: No. See, the answer here is much more complicated. And that's where it all comes together. What do people really look when they're Surfing, when they're going to an NJOKOSAI meeting, when they're sitting in a shop and just looking. Eventually, I think all humans have a certain anguish or anxiety inside of us, simply from the human condition. And we're we're targeting it towards different things, sometimes because most people don't think about it. You just feel the, the black hole inside of you. And they, they don't wanna, we don't want to think about it. Nobody wants to think about your own death. But I think this is eventually uh, what's, what's connecting all of humanity. Wow. The end. That's why people need sex to feel alive, and that's why they want to shop, because it makes them happy. And it's, it's the same kind of energy of, yeah, ah, I got it.
0: Instant gratification.
1: Instant gratification and short gratification, because that's all we have. That's it.
0: Mary, that's... Uh You've given me a lot to think about. I, I would thought- like
1: everyone to think about it because I think it's very important to understand that we can't escape ourselves. And if we, we face this darkness inside of us and use it for better things rather than serve meaninglessly, yeah, that would be important. That th- This is going to be a good result of this discussion. What are you really searching?
0: Because I have to say, I thought that part of our discussion would be a little bit more about this Enjokosai theme would relate to consumerism as we know it as what do you buy on Amazon or what...
1: But it, it is exactly this.
0: What gratification am I getting from getting an Hermes bag because I had a date with somebody?
1: Exactly. I can give you one answer. It's a bit harsh. Give it to me. Yeah. It's a bit harsh. I don't mind if it stays. One of, one of the people I talked to gave me the accident... You know, you talk to people, and you know, like yourself, 90% is meaningless, and suddenly there is this one sentence that...
0: The light bulb goes and on. And I asked...
1: It's a guy who was buying a lot of angiocoside dates. And I asked him, why does he spend so much time and money on, on girls instead of, I don't know, reading a book or going to the movies? And he said, you see, you got to understand... 70% of the fun is the hunting. Now, it's the same with sex. The fun of sex is not to have your orgasm, because really the biggest pleasure is just the minute before. Because when you're there, you finish. finished, it's done. That's it. It's ended. Our pleasure is always in the minute before. That's the surfing on the e-commerce and not finding what you want. That goes into deep psychology, you know, Lacan and Freud and Absolutely, how.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And that's one of the reasons historically, and I think you wrote about it, about ukiyo-e, why there's really no nudity in it, and also why a lot of Japanese pornography has a mosaic, maybe some of it is for, like, moral code, but a lot of Japanese have said that it's accepted because it's, it's more fun to imagine than to actually see it.
1: Because the moment you've seen it, it's finished. I don't know if you read my article where where I write about uh, a survey I conducted about images of different women uh, where where were, we, we presented to a different men from different places photos of women from American you know blondes in bikinis with these sexy and, poses right and up to well covered with hijab women but with um, nice may- eye makeup and statistically all the men preferred the covered women with this explanation she said with this women you can imagine so much and you know the reality is always below the imagination. Mm. That's why there is not a lot of sex in Angiocosa. People don't want to get to the moment where you consume and when you do market research in people's houses you can find things they bought which are still in the package. They, didn't, they don't even open them when still they go home. It still has the price tag on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, these shoes, I bought them last week, and you didn't open? No, because it's the hunting that matters.
0: The anticipation. I
1: want it. I got got it. Okay, now I'm not interested anymore. Right? That's my key sentence for people. The first bite of chocolate is always the sweetest.
0: I think that's the perfect place to end. Mary, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: Likewise. And that was Mary Razel. It got pretty deep and just a little dark there towards the end, but it's pretty tough to argue the extent of her excellent research. I know I learned something new about how the value of intimacy in Japanese culture is very different than in the West. Her dissertation should be published later this year. And if you want to know more about Mary, check out her LinkedIn profile. She has a lot of great articles there related to today's discussion. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a comment or a star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Direct from Tokyo, this was the Now and Zen Podcast. Thanks, everyone.